Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Today, Tim, I'm a little confused, and we're going to get into the reason for my confusion <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, I don't think you're as confused as I am, but uh, tell me anyway, how are you? I am doing great. I am excited to introduce this episode and uh, sort of go through this topic today. It's something I've been uh, following now for a while. And yeah, it's kind of uncharacteristic of a typical Crawl Space episode. Um, and we want to begin by saying this isn't meant to be anything mean-spirited. This started as a curiosity on my part that grew into a, a little bit of an obsession. And we're going to be speaking about a Twitter account today. And the account that we're going to be talking about tweets several times daily about all sorts of subject matters. Most of these topics I know nothing about. It's usually politics or sometimes Hollywood castings. And I have no problem with most of what he tweets about. So I just want to be very clear that we're only going to be focusing on the tweets about crime. And this account has gotten a reputation for tweeting strong opinions on the Gabby Petito and Idaho 4 cases. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. And we will be speaking with a guest in a moment. She's great. Her name is Kristen Maraschio. And we found her on TikTok because she was speaking about this account. And she's known as the Datology Coach, and that's her handle on TikTok, and that's her website, datologycoach.com. She also tells us about fake profiles, scams, and how to recognize them on dating sites, which I think is a great topic, but some of that conversation got cut from this episode. So we're going to have her back on to talk more about that. And Tim, if people wanted to hear this upcoming episode without the ads, where would they go to get this? Well, listeners can now subscribe to Crawl Space Premium right there in their Apple Podcasts app. You get our weekly bonus show, which people love. You get ad-free episodes and you get early releases of Crawl Space and Missing. And if if you're not an Apple user, you can go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm and sign up for the same product there. And how about social media? Thanks for asking. Folks can follow us on social media at Crawlspace Podcast or Crawlspace Pod. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We're going to break real quick for commercial here, and then we're going to be right back to discuss this Twitter account. Okay, welcome back. As many of you know, in the summer of 2021, Gabby Petito was a 22-year-old young woman who was on a long cross-country road trip with her boyfriend, Brian. Part of their trip was being documented on YouTube and Instagram. And when Gabby disappeared in August of that summer, many people immediately suspected Brian as having some involvement. And because they had documented part of their journey on social media, it led to a lot of interest. Yeah, so this was a time when you have these movements that or these moments that happen in the true crime community where you're torn about, right? So you want to make sure that people understand the importance of searching for a missing individual and, and know the danger of this, or you want to make sure that somebody is in a safe place or that families know that there's a community behind them. But when you see individuals or groups or organizations or anybody really using social media as a platform to, to promote themselves or to grow their followers and to achieve some sort of success over it. I know it sounds a little bit like the pot calling the kettle black with what we do, but I don't think we've ever like ridden the wave of a current in real time investigation and given updates and use social media to grow, intentionally grow our platform. So that's 
where I've always had a problem with talking about things like this is that I want to make sure that people know that where we're coming from is genuine. And a lot of those people out there who did this in the true crime community just weren't genuine about it. They saw an opportunity to capitalize on this awful tragedy and probably didn't have a lot of compassion for both individuals in this story, Brian and Gabby, their families probably didn't have that type of compassion for the families. Because I didn't really see much about that. Yeah, the true crime community just kind of exploded on social media um, in regards to that story at that time. I think what you said is right as well. But for me, I feel like it was very frustrating to watch because it appeared obvious, you know, like the the case. Like it, it seemed like Brian had to know more. Um, but no one was saying where Gabby was. And then on September 18th, 2021, this Twitterer who we're going to talk about, he goes by Gerard Corsi or the handle at Hardcore Hangout, tweeted about Gabby Petito's disappearance. And he tweeted this. I have heard from reliable sources on the ground there that hashtag Brian Laundry has self-terminated and left a cryptic note about it relating to hashtag Gabrielle Petito, whose remains will most likely be found in the next day or two. Now, what is what's what's happening here? Like, do you want to break down this tweet? I'm curious because I'm struggling to find the relevancy of this individual. I don't even know if we should call this person a he or what. Just they, maybe, because by all indications or by some indications, this isn't a real person. Well, we'll get there because we definitely looked at that. But the the tweet was a quote retweet of a WCVB TV Boston uh, tweet about the search for Gabby Petito. So there had been a days long, wide ranging search for Gabby Petito around that time. And in fact, Gabby's remains were located the very next day after that tweet. So that led some people online to believe that Gerard actually does have some inside sources because that's what he wrote in in the tweet. And so some of his true crime tweets have been wildly inaccurate, but he has a style of writing that appears to be authoritative and writes about his sources and having insider knowledge on certain cases like in Gabby's case here, and he wrote on the ground there, which led a lot of folks and creators in the true crime community to talk about him. It's interesting to me that he quote retweeted the news organization WCVB TV in Boston. Of all of the news sources that were reporting on this at the time, why would it be Boston? Well, I think he's got some connection to this area per his uh, his Twitter <laughs> bio. <laughs> right. But he also has connections to New York City, San Francisco. Also interesting in his bio, now that you bring it up, it says Boston slash Cambridge slash New York City slash San Francisco. And it's NYC and San Fran, probably due to like character restrictions there. But why would you yeah. put Cambridge unless it's Cambridge in the UK? If, you, if you're in Boston, you wouldn't put Cambridge. And if you're in Cambridge, you wouldn't say Boston. You'd do one or the other. Yeah, I've thought about this, and uh, I think there's a decent chance that it's Cambridge of the UK that he's talking about because some of the words that he chooses to use, they they could be uh, sort of British-inspired, if you will, and even some of his spelling, um, he'll kind of add that extra U. Um, But I actually took it to mean Cambridge, Massachusetts. It's right after Boston. Why wouldn't you? Right, right. And I think when people do that, it's like Boston, Cambridge, then it actually means like you live in Cambridge, you know, like you you use the wider area and then you hone in later. So I don't know. That's just my thought. 
it's really interesting. And he's a U.S. Navy veteran, according to his bio. So if he's in the if he's in Cambridge in the U.K., what's he doing there? Maybe he's got offices. Maybe that's the presentation that he wants to project. Yeah, it's it's a little strange. And uh, so I've been aware of this account since that tweet on September 18, 2021. And, and obviously, as we're discussing, something was just weird about it. I mean, if he did have inside sources, he'd probably be burning their trust by tweeting about it, don't you think? And that seems completely ridiculous. Well, I guess if he's t- retweeting or, quote, retweeting something that has the news has already broken on it, maybe that's, you know, like, is he really giving away information if he's using already broadcast tweets? Is he like, is he actually breaking news? Well, I think he he was trying to predict the timing of when Gabby was found. And he happened to be right about when she was found. She was found the next day. But again, this was this was a widely publicized search that, right. you know, it was a very wide ranging days long search again. So probably not like the most impressive uh, prediction. Right. And to actually like kind of answer your question there, wouldn't he be burning his sources? This is one example. That tweet that you read just now, just a few minutes ago, was just one example. And you're right. Like, if this is the style in which he's been performing his journalism, then he wouldn't be a successful journalist. Like, if he has sources, if he's ever tried to have sources, and he's always had the inclination to get ahead of the story, I think at this point, with over 10,000 followers, almost 11,000 followers... He wouldn't have got to that point had he used these tactics in trying to predict stories. Does that make sense? Like, I think his sources probably would have burned up long before. (laughs) Right, right. And then recently, uh, this account actually followed me, and uh, and I followed him back. Why not? Yeah, I mean, why not? I'm interested in it. I was aware of the account, so let's describe the account. So again, uh, the handle is at Hardcore Hangout, which is bizarre yeah it is bizarre and we go into that a little bit with uh, our our guest Kristen in a few minutes he describes himself as an investigative reporter ghost writer for social media luminaries and consultant for lgbtq and democratic clients and then u.s navy veteran he him and uh, so his name is gerard corsi and he makes a lot of claims about this it, it seems like a lot of businesses coming together in that one bio and he actually only recently added indie film actor another difference here between the bios is that he removed the u.s from navy veteran which is interesting why would you do that yeah um possibly a character (laughs) limit problem but maybe not because he needed to add indie film actor (laughs) i guess so yeah what's that's so bizarre has he why would he do that does he ever tweet about his the indie films that he's been in I have not seen that. I have seen a lot of tweets about movies. And again, it's it's like casting choices. Like he, I don't know, he was predicting who was going to play Timothy Chalamet's father in a movie or, or something like that. It led me to wonder who, who is he? Is he who he says he is? And I turned to Google and it doesn't turn up much at all in regards to Gerard being a real person, let alone a film actor. And we ran our background check service and it didn't really turn up any likely matches We tried reverse Google image searching his profile pic and got nothing. We did stumble across a brief Medium article written by a guy named Ted Bauer, who's uh, got about 15,000 followers, got a following on Medium. And he mostly asked questions to his audience. And uh, unfortunately, there aren't any user comments based on the article, but 
he did post some of Gerard's more well-known tweets. And here's another one from December 29th at 9.34 a.m. He writes, Killer in hashtag Idaho student murders was poised to strike after secreting himself inside the house, according to my source. And he actually quotes those words, poised to strike after secreting himself inside the house, end quote. And then he goes on, he says, he had three to kill, one to mutilate, instructions with him provided by the accessory slash co-conspirator this was not a random incel or an israel keys type i don't know sounds like a lot of keywords a lot of tag words a lot of buzzwords hashtag words that are sprinkled in through here incel israel keys killer he hashtags idaho student murders this isn't mm-hmm. quality reporting no this is torture porn. This is true crime porn. Yeah. I mean, well, he's trying to predict again, right? And uh, it, it's, it's obviously a very hard swing that he takes. Um, and he's saying that he's got an inside source. And he is saying that there is an accessory or a co-conspirator per his inside source. An accessory in the quadruple murders of Zana Kernodal, Kaylee Gonzalez, Madison Mogan, and Ethan Chapin. So, yeah, there's a lot that's wrong about that tweet there. And uh, so we turn to some other social media platforms. Facebook search doesn't yield many results. There are a couple of accounts with matching names, but they're pretty much empty with no posts. There's a LinkedIn page that could be a match however the occupation the account holder claims to have doesn't appear to link back to a real company there's no picture like if you're the vice president of a company like why wouldn't you put your picture there interesting side note it does say boston massachusetts united states and it's a there's a harvard college emblem like the shield for harvard college so that could explain the cambridge part right and uh, he does have an Instagram account. Um, he's got a couple of followers, but there's no content, no no image. Uh, it's a different handle, but it is him. Um, it, it's a similar um, bio. But on TikTok, people are talking about him. People are talking about this account. And here's a couple of clips. It's time for some more Gerard Corsi tweets. And wait till you see the last one. This Twitter account has been spreading um, false rumors about the case uh, for a long time now. A conta do Geraldo não vai ser desativada. Hmm. This has already been outed as a bot or troll account that's just out there kind of fly fishing, posting things to attract people who still want to hang on to the idea that there were multiple attackers here. But then I found Datology's videos. In addition to helping people with their dating profiles, I offer a service that teaches people how to spot red flags in people's dating profiles and messages. Specifically, red flags that indicate somebody's emotionally unavailable, a scammer, lying, or toxic. I'm fairly sure this is a bot. If you go through his Twitter feed and you read his tweets, there's no emotion behind anything that he says. Whitney was photogenic, charismatic, and a powerful performer, and I think that was her beauty. Without the stage glamour, she looked like an ordinary young lesbian. People don't talk like this. Make special note of the fact this guy never replies to or engages anybody. People need to stop posting this guy's stuff. He's not real. It's fake. Google him. He doesn't exist. What's the percentage, do you think, of the people who are retweeting and reposting and, and talking about his comments as fact? What's the percentage of those people being bots as well? That's a good question. I've noticed some possible bot accounts on Twitter um, that will like retweet him and, and comment. Um, but I haven't dug into other social media platforms uh, as far as that goes, trying to promote his work. Um, it, it, it seems like it actually 
took on a life of its own on TikTok uh, without the help of of that, that, that I could tell anyway. And a lot of creators on TikTok are focusing on his tweets and this one in particular about the Idaho student murders. On December 28th, 10.22 p.m., he writes, The hashtag Idaho student murders case has all the pieces in place. The chain of causality, personal connectivity, and motive is now complete thanks to several hardworking people who want justice for the victims just as I do. Look for actions to be taken after the new year. This seems like a pretty innocent tweet. He wants justice. Why is this a tweet, though? <laughs> I guess what compels, if this is a real person, what compels a real person who has information on this tragedy to type this in and tweet it out? What is the what is the compulsion to, to, to inform people that they know that this is a thing and the pieces are in place and you know, he wants justice for the victims? It seems to me like he's trying to guess about the timing again, like he did in Gabby Petito's um, case. And he's trying to assert himself as an expert with sources that are correct. And in fact, he tweeted that a day and a half before police knocked on the Koberger residence. So he was slightly off about the timing because Gerard wrote, look for actions to be taken after the new year. But as noted, Koberger was arrested on December 30th, 2022. So it was just before the new year that they made the arrest. So he wasn't accurate, but he wasn't too far off. And so that's why people are talking. And again, like the tweet about Gabby Petito, it wasn't the craziest thing to suggest that police were closing in on a suspect. The public knew very little of their investigation at the time. But as we talked about with Gray Hughes in an episode of Crawl Space in December, you know, th this was a quadruple homicide in a tiny town with a good vehicle of interest description that was blasted out there widely. So, I mean, I remember at that point we were shocked that there hadn't been an arrest made yet. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, when you are referencing the time frame here, this is right in that period after Christmas before the new year. So I think however this tweet was manifested, whatever algorithm or if it was an actual person, I think the safe bet to place is that something would happen after the holidays because it might be tough to find your person of interest during the holidays. They might be with their family, traveling, whatever. So to say after the new year feels like a pretty safe bet to me. And really only a small amount of time that he could have been wrong on that one, if you think about it, because after the new year opens up, you know, a decade from now. Exactly. And here's Kristen's video where she calls him a bot. A very cursory Google search will tell you this guy, Gerard Corsi, he doesn't exist. And that this account is a bot. It's programmed to look for certain hashtags, and then it writes tweets based on the information shared with that hashtag. And typically what it does is take information from tweets that have very high engagement. Stop sharing this guy's stuff. He's, he's not real. He doesn't exist. Okay, so could Gerard be a bot? You know, I kind of uh, had to figure out what that means when you're talking about internet. But in researching bots, I came across this obituary written by artificial intelligence. Which is hilarious. This had been circulating for a little bit. I remember seeing this. I don't remember when, but crying because I was laughing so hard. Yeah, the obituary reads, Brenda Tent retired from living at the age of old, surrounded by family and natural causes. A librarian from birth, Brenda wow. was an avid collector of dust. Well, good. she didn't have an allergy to dust. A lot of people do, which is, you know, yeah. fortunate for her. It's tough. It goes on, she had a sweetheart and married her high school. 
Like it's almost as if the the AI, you know, heard that she had a high school sweetheart that she later got married to, but interpreted by AI, it comes out she had a sweetheart and married her high school. <laughs> yeah, it's like the knowledge that was given to AI didn't have that connective tissue there to right. understand that sweetheart was now one word and not the description of one's heart. Right. Although married her high school is interesting. <laughs> it goes on. She loved having hobbies and helping yep. her sons to be disadvantaged youths. I wonder if she had horses. <laughs> Actually, it goes on. She had no horses, oh. but thought she did. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, we all we all do. The church gave her a choir because she sang like bird and looked like oh. bird, and Brenda oh. was a bird. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain the no horses thing. <laughs> right. She owed us so many poems. She did. She did. <laughs> When's the funeral? Because I, I want to, I feel like I need to go to this funeral Well, and pay my respects. You're out of luck because the funeral will be held in 1977 at heaven. Oh. <laughs> and in lieu of flowers, send Brenda more life. I was going to send flowers, so <laughs> I'll find my uh, nope. local life dealer. That is bonkers funny. That is very funny. And th there's a lot of funny things. You can break down each line, what's funny about that obituary. But what I learned in continuing this research is that it was actually written by a human being pretending to be a bot. My brain is just bent all over the place. Yes, as is mine. It is uh, from the book, I Forced a Bot to Write This Book by Keaton Patty, who's a former writer for The Onion. And so I was researching on Twitter and found a blog posted by Twitter in September of 2021 that says 5% of Twitter users are bots. I feel like it should be more. I feel like that is a deflated number. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it's higher since uh, September of 2021. The uh, It's a blog by Twitter, and it, and it says, quote here, a Twitter bot is an account that's programmed to perform actions like send tweets at a scheduled time or follow accounts. These bots are created and managed via the Twitter API. By automating certain tasks, Twitter bots can help you establish an active presence in less time. With a bot, you can schedule tweets to publish at times when you're not online. You can automate responses to new followers. You can retweet content with a particular keyword or hashtag. You can follow or unfollow accounts and much more. And that's from the blog. I don't know. Is this helpful or is this terrifying? <laughs> I, it depends what your goal is on, on social media or on Twitter, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I just remember, you know, starting in 2016 and monitoring Twitter and just seeing accounts that were clearly not human accounts promoting political parties on both sides that were clearly just like not real people. And, and there were so many earmarks that could identify that as such. And I, that's why I feel like 5% is kind of low. I feel like it should be more yeah. in the range of like 25%. Yeah, I think if you're talking political Twitter, I think you're probably right. But if you Google search with an at sign in front of Hardcore Hangout, which again is the, the Twitter account's handle, on the first page of Google, you'll get a link to TweetHunter.io, which is a site that generates tweets written by artificial intelligence. So that's pretty interesting to me. I don't know if that means that Gerard is influenced by TweetHunter or whoever the creator of the Gerard Corsi account is, if they use TweetHunter.io. I mean, there are several other 
kinds of AI platforms out there that you could use for this kind of thing. But this one just happened to be on the first page of Google. It's the third result from what I'm yeah. seeing here. Generate tweets like at Hardcore Hangout with AI. So yeah. generate tweets on the same tone and same topic. Hmm. Right. And I searched our handles and, and you don't see that. Um, certainly not on the first page. Um, I didn't see it at all, but I, I didn't probably search too far. But at this point, I just realized that I can't necessarily tell the difference between a bot that's pretending to be human and a human that's pretending to be a bot. So that was when we reached out to Datology coach Kristen Maraschio, and we are going to play the interview with her after the break. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. Okay, Kristen, welcome to the show. Please tell us what it is that you do. I'm a trauma-certified dating coach. And the reason why I was able to sort of work into this area that we're about to talk about is I teach women how to identify scammers and abusers. That's, this is part of, part of what, I, what I teach them. So I know right now anyone listening is thinking, how does one get involved in this field? I was a writer for about 10 years. I wrote a dating advice column and was approached by somebody who handled trauma certification. And she had known, I had experienced a series of family losses very quickly in a very short period of time. And she said, I think you'd be really great at this. This is, you know, you'd be working with people. And because of my dating background, I thought, well, dating's kind of traumatic. So I'm going to, and I say that in, in, literally being very serious, I do think dating these days is extremely traumatic for people. So I got my certification and I got my coaching certification. And now I work with people, a lot of people who have PTSD, who have a history of abuse, who uh, have anxiety or attachment disorders. And I help them navigate the dating scene. What do you consider red flags on a social media account? It could be that someone has created a persona to keep aspects of their life separate, which is totally normal. You always want to look for clusters of red flags, not just one. So you Google them. If there's no digital trail, okay, now go into now go into their tweets, into their content. Are they engaging anybody? Are they responding to anybody? Are they interacting? Um, or are they just retweeting somebody? Look at their word choice. Is there emotion behind what they're saying? Are they using punctuation? You know, when we speak, if something's really important to us, we use certain words, maybe we'll curse, maybe we'll use certain punctuation. Does what they're saying, what they're writing, does it sound flat? Because if it sounds flat, it's probably bot generated. Or it's probably generated, it's, it's created as a way to provide some kind of verification for a fake persona created for the internet. Okay. Um, I've been looking into bots on Twitter. When you say a bot, does that mean like, is that artificial intelligence? Is that actually run by a human? How, how does that work? There's two sort of approaches to this. I think one is AI generated, but another I think is uh, somebody is somebody's created a, a fake profile to support this fake persona that they've created. Now, the AI generated, they could be pulling hashtags. This did, uh, There was just something on the news last night, and maybe it was just here in New York, uh, about uh, GPT. And how this program, this AI program, it's writing news articles and fabricating sources. 
And we quickly found the article. It's from February 23rd, 2023, and it's about ChatGPT from NBC4 New York. The iTeam's Chris Glorioso goes over it. Here's a quick clip. In an apparent effort to mimic a real news article, ChatGPT conjured up what seemed to be phony quotes from anonymous sources. This one from an unnamed gun rights advocate who says Michael Bloomberg is trying to buy the political process. This one from a political commentator who asked not to be named but says Bloomberg's philanthropy is not about giving back, it's about buying influence. The problem is ChatGPT didn't actually talk to anonymous sources to get these quotes. The computer just made them up. These programs are just writing fake articles. You made a couple of TikTok videos about a specific Twitter account, Mm -hmm. about how you think this account is a bot. Can you tell us a little bit about this? When I first started seeing tweets from this this persona floating around TikTok, something just was sort of like tweaked in me. And I said, oh, something's not right here. And I went to the account and it wasn't right because of, because of the writing. And because it felt like there was one tweet that he said where the suspect allegedly used canine blood to throw off, uh, throw off investigators to throw off them about his DNA. Now I thought, oh, wait a minute. They were talking about a dog. Something had happened to a dog. I don't want to get graphic here. But there was a story related to this about a dog. And I thought, they're pulling stuff. They're pulling aspects that sound like they could be true, sound like they could be associated, but he can never say anything specific. He can never give you any details that haven't already been discussed on other forums. He's not really saying anything new. He's he's tossing around theories that are in, on Reddit, on Twitter, on TikTok, that are all over. When I went to his account, I thought it was very strange that his username was Hardcore Hangouts. That's weird. This is supposedly a professional, and maybe he just created a persona. But you would think for branding purposes, a professional would have Gerard Corsi, Corsi as the name, and then as the handle. And then I did the Google. No Google. He has no Google presence. But he also never engaged. His, his word choice was very strange. It was very stiff. He didn't choose words that we typically choose. You know, he was talking about being told he had uh, cancer. He says, you know, back from church, I went to the, I went to a soup kitchen. It was just the way he put it together. Back from church, went to soup kitchen. This is so fulfilling. Sounds legit. Right? Sounds sounds correct. But then he's talking about ha- having cancer and, and the this needs to be excised. We don't say excised. We say removed. The word choice was just very strange. And that that too. And then I looked. He's not responding to anybody. He's not engaging anybody. He's not using much punctuation. Question mark. But very little other punctuation, which is what we do. If we're excited about something, if we're disgusted, we're shocked, we're using that punctuation. There's, there's very little there. So there's no emotion there. There's no voice behind the tweets. And people definitely on some platforms seem to believe him, which uh, seems to be a, a big part of the problem. That is the problem. That is the, the, the huge problem because I tend to think that if we want to believe something, if it aligns with our inner narrative, well, we're not going to research it. We're just We're going to believe it. And worse, we're going to spread it. There's very little critical thinking there's very, everyone's taking things at face value. And with this case, especially, I don't know how the legalities work. I don't know what's involved with a mistrial, but I do know what's involved with finding a jury. And listen, right or wrong, 
everyone who lives in this country, that's, that's one of our rights. And we may not, you know, we may not like it in the, this instance, but it, it is what it is. And if he doesn't get the, the proper jury, if he doesn't get a fair trial, he, he can walk. So that's why I want this, I want this to go, I want this to be as smooth as possible. And all this information, and be, like you said, because he says it so matter-of-factly, people believe it. And then they just start repeating it. I want to back up just a little bit to the comment you made about the example you gave about the dog's blood. Is this something where the bot or the scammer is taking, I guess the bot, the AI part of this, is identifying keywords that are trending in a certain story? So the dog was trending, so that it picked up on that or something? What I think is it, it looks for hashtags. And then it pulls information from tweets, specifically tweets that probably have a lot of activity, a lot of engagement, and that's probably how it comes up with the script. And I know that there are bots like this. There are bots like this on TikTok as well. You know, they can you can create profiles, and they say the weirdest stuff, but they're they're clearly bots. But on some level, it has to be run by a human, right? It has to be directed by a human. I would think so. I would think there had to be someone who created the program. Right there, ha there has to be, Could, like you said, is this performance art or is this a test to see? I wonder if this could work. Right, right. So there would there would have to be yes. I I, I think so. That's my opinion. So what what do you think the point of this Gerard Corsi account is? I think if, especially with the Idaho Four case, if you're if you're paying attention to that, to see the amount of people who are hopping into this, saying, "Well, I'm friends with them, and I'm going to tell you this story, and this is what they told me." Believe it or not, it can be as simple as somebody just really, really needs attention. It really can be as simple as that, that it's just something that, they've, that they, they like. They like all the attention. And if you'll notice, he said in a recent tweet, he's getting some press inquiries and say, well, I, I've, I've told them that uh, we have to wait, that he's having respiratory issues. And now, recently, he suddenly had this third person come in and take over his account. Now he's speaking in the third person. As soon as people started to suspect him, the narrative changed a little bit. And now there's this person that's never been there before. <laughs> and now he's almost as if to say he's preemptively coming up with an excuse should he get a, should someone out him. Like, oh, it was always him. It, was, it wasn't me. You know, right. it was always this person. Interesting. Yeah. So Gerard has uh, allegedly fallen ill uh, to sepsis and has been going through some kidney dialysis. And his legal representative, Franklin, is now tweeting for him. But Franklin is seemingly by his bedside 24 hours a day and tweeting in the exact same voice, voice. as Gerard. Yes. And sometimes it's like Gerard uh, dictating these tweets to his legal representative, uh, Franklin. Yes. And uh, one thing that is, I guess, interesting to watch is the comments when he tweets a, like from Franklin. People are just telling him that he's... He's a bot. It's like, uh, thank you for your messages of concern. And people will write, nobody is concerned. You're not real. Right. This is what I mean. This is why I think it's a, it's a program. It doesn't know how to read sarcasm. It's not able to pick up on that. Sarcasm is one of the greatest hidden weapons human beings possess. Yes. <laughs> I mean, look, it can, it can totally like filter out a bot. Mm -hmm. If you're sarcastic, a bot can't figure that out. Right. So um, I appreciate you bringing that up. And that was not sarcastic. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> or was it? And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. So I, I did message Gerard mm -hmm. and um, I was not expecting to get a reply, mm -hmm. um, but I did. 
Um, so I, I said, Hey, Gerard and Franklin, I'm wishing you all the best. And the account wrote back, thank you so much. This means a lot. And then I wanted to go a little deeper. So actually one of those press inquiries could have been me. I didn't quite get that far, but mm-hmm. I was, it was definitely heading that way. Mm-hmm. I, I asked him, you know, I'm curious why people are mentioning that you might be a bot or artificial intelligent. How do you feel about that? And uh, I have not gotten a response to that one. Oh, are you kidding? I'm so surprised by that. <laughs> that was sarcasm. That was sarcasm. <laughs> Slash S. That was sarcasm. <laughs> You're not a bot. Should we even be talking about this? Does it make you nervous to talk about these things and put more attention on it? Or is this more like an educational thing? I think we should be talking about this, especially when it comes to the spread of misinformation. I think really, again, with this Idaho 4 case, we're really seeing the dangers of misinformation spreading, because mainly because, and for me, this is my, this is my personal crusade, if you will, is you've got all these people on the internet going after these surviving roommates based on a lot of this misinformation. And survivor's guilt is very real. If you look it up, people with survivor's guilt, they don't, there's a lot of fatalities. And so I think we need to be much more careful about what we're allowing out there. And we do need to alert people that, hey, you need to apply some critical thinking here. You need to learn how to interpret this stuff and not take everything at face value. Because these two kids... I don't even know how to accurately express this. Um, like their lives are, as they know it, are over, over. And we don't know what they're going through mentally, emotionally, but their lives are never going to be the same. And I think people are, are just, they're not putting in enough thought as to what they're putting out there. And it's as if these people, well, they're not real, so I can say whatever I want, as though they're probably not looking up their own hashtag, Googling their name, reading all this stuff. So for me, it really is about we have to be more aware of misinformation. He's not implicating anybody specific. Again, intentional, because if it's if it's vague, you know, you if it's vague, then it opens up all kinds of conversation versus just naming one person. The problem is everybody's going towards the same people. Everybody's accusing the same people. And this is what I mean. I don't think I don't think he this person, whoever's behind it, whether it's a program, I don't think it was created because this is obviously years old. This this guy's been around for a while. This person, this persona. Uh, I think it's honestly this this person just really loves the attention. I mean, you, if you've watched YouTube at all, you know you have this guy out here saying that he's friends with Dylan and Dylan's going to come on my YouTube YouTube show. There's a gag order. Dylan couldn't possibly come on your YouTube show. What are you talking about? And you have to ask yourself, why is somebody doing that? And it it's for attention. Yeah. And if if the account was sort of labeled as parody or as, you know, satire, mm-hmm. I think it would be totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, some of the other subjects he he talk he, you know, writes about like are kind of clearly satire, I think, mm-hmm. and jokey, you know, I think in in some ways, especially when he writes about how ill he is and then five minutes later writes about some bizarre casting uh decision that Hollywood made, mm-hmm. it just seems very inconsistent. Right. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most bonkers, how bonkers is this Twitter account? You're asking someone who has sort of immersed themselves into that kind of world. So for me, it's kind of like, mm, yeah, I, this doesn't surprise me. I've been involved in a lot of situations, you know, identifying phantom personas 
So for me, I was just like, yeah, this it's just another Tuesday. It doesn't surprise me. I, I think it's what's bonkers to me is that people believe it. That's what's so scary. Well, you, you mentioned performance art. What is happening out there? Where does it cross the line from performance art to being illegal? Or is that even possible? Well, we're starting to see now. Uh, especially on on TikTok, we're starting to see some legalities come into play here. There's one creator who said that she, from her tarot cards, she learned that a a professor at at, at University of Idaho was the murderer because she was involved with one of the victims and they were working, she was working with one of the victim's ex-boyfriends. And now that professor is suing this TikTok person. Another TikTok creator, she spent a year and a half just making up lies about these these people in in Arlington, Virginia. She that they were all they were a bunch of bartenders and they were stalking her. And come to find out, the whole story was a lie. People had gotten assaulted. She's up on charges. She goes to court next week for just this entire. Oh, this woman got a job, a place, a job at where I worked, and she's stalking and harassing me. And so the woman sued her. The woman's taking her to court. So I think slowly, the law's starting to catch up with this. Right. Yeah, that's like digital Munchausen by proxy, kind of. It's, it's Munchausen by internet, and that is a thing. Right. It's Munchausen oh. by internet. That's a real thing. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Interesting. Yep. You you mentioned the believers. Uh, are some of the believers bots as well? I think that's possible. But again, because I've, I've immersed myself into this, it makes absolute sense to me that there are people who will buy into this because of their own inner narrative. So they're like, yep, that makes sense to me. I believe that there was an accomplice in this case. So I believe this person, even though it makes no sense and he never answers any questions and he doesn't provide any facts, but he says they're an accomplice and I think there was an accomplice. So I'm going to believe him, right? And we don't question it. What it really comes down to, I think, is our own internal bias, right? You know, this stuff about the the surviving roommates, my opinion, this is internalized misogyny. It's misogyny. It's the idea of conflict among women always being dismissed as a cat fight and well, the surviving roommates are women and three of the victims were women. So it must have been, it must have been that she was jealous, that there was some sort of conflict and it's, it's glamorized, it's sexualized and, and it's, it's diminished, you know, where this is, this is what happens. And, and, and I think there's a lot of that out there that I think is fueling on at least the speculation about the roommates. Our brain likes what it knows. And so when we can't figure out something, especially something as terrifying as this case, our brain works overtime trying to make sense of it. And then we apply what's called hindsight bias, where we examine a situation, we apply information we know now to an event that happened in the past. And so when people say, I don't know how she just didn't do anything. Well, if you read the affidavit, all it said was she went into, after she saw him, she went into her room and locked the door. Never said she went to sleep. We attach narratives to this. We've attached the narrative that she went to sleep, that she was traumatized, that she was frozen in fear. When we have the what we have in front of us, and that's the narrative we've attached because that's how we think we would react in a situation like this. And it doesn't make sense because th- there's a lack of empathy of putting yourself in the shoes of of a 19, 20-year-old college kid on a weekend after a big party who's probably drunk, possibly high, nothing wrong with that. People are constantly in and out of that house. She was in bed. She had no idea when the roommates came home, if they brought anybody home. She hears noises. Oh, I think that's Kaylee playing with her dog, which means she sort of recognized it. Like, that's, that's normal. And she looks out the door. 
and people are ignoring that too. She kept looking out the door every time she heard something and she didn't see anything. And the third time is when she saw something and she didn't know what was going on in there. Everybody assumes, well, there must've been screaming. Not necessarily. If you do any research on what happens to us when we get stabbed, that our adrenaline, that shot of adrenaline, we don't know what's going on in the first however many seconds. But in that time, another organ can be pierced and that's it. So no, there probably wasn't any screaming. There probably wasn't a lot of blood because he got in and out of there so quickly and the deaths were, were apparently so quick. So people just aren't doing the proper research and they're, they're, they're projecting. They're projecting their own biases. They're projecting how they would react. And so we, what we've got is this really unsettling wave of slander, libel, lies against kids. Like it's one thing if it's a 30-year-old adult. It's a kid, a kid who survived a mass murder. We need to be more careful about that. We need to give more thought to something like that and how this person is probably very traumatized, both of them. This is one of the best ways I've experienced to handle that Idaho quadruple murder. And, and as, as, a, as a regular person with no degree in anything psychological, so many people contribute to the conversation on social media. This is a great way to, to contribute. So I just huge thank you for, for coming on and like blowing, blowing my socks off. Well, thank you. You guys are asking, you're asking the right questions, right? You're not, you're, you're willing to say, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. I want to look at this. And that's really all it takes is let me just take a step back and remove my feelings from it. So at the beginning of this, I said that I was very confused, and I think I'm ending this by being more confused because, A, I'm just not sure the importance or relevance of this. But at the same time, I know there is importance and relevance to talking about this because it is in the field in which we operate, and we try to do that on a responsible level. And for some reason, which I can't put my finger on, or maybe I could. See, that's why I'm so confused. This doesn't. This account, this this type of journalism or broadcast or delivery of information, it feels like a forecast of something worse and bigger to me, bigger and worse to come, that if this thing has achieved so much success, who's behind it? Why is that person behind it or people? Why is it dipping its toe in true crime and talking about these sensationalized cases? Right. And what's the purpose, I think, is where my confusion comes from. So I'm also conflicted with, by talking about it, are we making it worse inadvertently? Well, I think we have to let people know that this account holder doesn't really seem to have any actual sources. I think that's that's the whole point of this, is uh, looking into this account and learning more information about bots, AI, and scams by speaking with Kristen. I think one question is, is this some kind of scam account? There's nothing like that that I've seen that le- that is trying to take you off of Twitter. So to me, I think Kristen had it right when she said it could be someone looking for attention. Um, but obviously they're trying to build their Twitter following by tweeting out predictive tweets in the true crime community. But that could be so damaging because as we just went through, people on other platforms take it as fact. And then if that's a fact, 
who knows? You know, as Kristen went into um, some of the roommates, the surviving roommates of that house in Idaho um, have been harassed and possibly because of misinformation put out by Gerard or accounts like his. Yeah, I would say possibly leaning more towards definitely be uh, these accounts being a contributing factor to the PTSD that these individuals have now. I mean, it's if you're trying to build your following, Christ, have predictive tweets about sporting events. 